think slaying vampires is a scary job. Try being a construction worker. Try not to break a nail, Gidget. These beams weigh quite a few hundred pounds. Or a sales clerk. I heard you have a mummy hand. An all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to the Word of Valios, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 5, Life Serial. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, and we'll be talking about jobs. Maybe just one job specifically, but spoilers about for each episode before this one, every episode after it, the comics, and possibly even other shows and movies. This is great. You know... I've always been interested in um, interested in podcasts. Did I forget something? <laughs> I feel like I forgot something. <laughs> uh, hello, welcome back again. It's another another week, another beat on the street of Sunnydale. Oh my God! My name is Kelly, and I'm here with my co-host Stacia. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> my other co-host Daniel. Say hello. I'm really excited about upcoming Halloween festivities, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But first, the tip of the day. When I introduce you to Tony, the foreman, you might want to leave out the stuff about podcasting and Evil Lint. <laughs> Blacking out and Evil Lint. God, that's just, that's not a great way to meet a new boss. Uh, but we're here to talk about Life Serial, Season 6, Episode 5, which originally aired on October 23rd, 2001, uh, written by David Fury. And Jane Espenson, again, she has her hand in like every episode this season, which is for the best. Three in a row, right? Uh, Yeah, she's like, well, I think since she's been supervising um, producer, I think you could kind of almost say that she's like the invisible hand, kind of like Joss Whedon is. Like technically he oversees every episode or at least did before he was, uh, Martin Oxen was the showrunner. Um, But she, you know, she actually has a writing credit on this one. But yeah, I think that she's got an influence on almost everything now, which is pretty cool. Anyway. Uh, this is the 12th of 17 for David Fury. Last was Bargaining Part 2. Next one will be Gone, which is all the way at the end of the season. Uh, and this is 15 of 23 for Jane. Last being last episode. And next being Double Meat Palace. Directed by Nick Mark. This is 4 of 7 for him. Last was Checkpoint. And next will also be Double Meat Palace. Uh, Nick Mark got a bunch of bangers. Like he's got, um, you know, Double Meat Palace, everyone's favorite episode. But uh, Conversation with Dead People, I think, is him too. So That's the reason I love this country. You make a good product and the people will come to you. Of course, a lot of them are going to die, but that's the other reason I love this country. Oh, uh, gosh. What happened in this episode? Well, what didn't happen in this episode was Buffy talking about her meeting with Angel because we don't need to talk about it. Never forget. Um, Buffy did come back from that, that meeting that we won't talk about. And uh, she tried to bring chicken for dinner, guys. She tried to bring chicken, but everyone already ate. But thank God Tara was was high enough that, that she was like, I'll have chicken. And started the chicken train going. That was the most important part of the episode. I like chicken fingers with mustard when I'm sick. Uh, Buffy is listless. She's getting accosted by her friends at side dinner. I was like, hey, Buffy, what are you going to do with your life? And you're like, I thought being the Slayer was good enough. Apparently it's not. So I don't know. I guess I'll go back to school, but I missed the cutoff. So I'll just audit classes with my friends. That totally alienates Buffy just because she's not feeling the college vibes of Willow's Brainiac. Sounds very tedious class. I would not want to be a part of that class. Uh, and then while she's going to go to a laid back class with Tara, art appreciation, something happens to her. Some jerk runs into her in the hall and then suddenly time starts being really weird. Like everyone's moving really fast except for Buffy and she can't figure it out. And then she pulls a little thing off of her sweater, Evil Lent, 
aforementioned and uh it explodes and then she's like okay well college isn't for me clearly if i try to go to school the time as we know it's going to shift in a way that is unnatural so maybe i'll get a job with xander he has a real job i'll, I'll go do construction makes sense i'm strong uh everyone on construction xander's construction crew wow is stereotypically sexist jerks uh and they don't like buffy very much but good thing for her demons attack and make it so that she doesn't have to work there anymore because she beats up the demons all the guys are gross and then they're dangerous like you can't work here anymore great so on to next thing oh the demons were summoned by andrew the trio they were behind the evil limp forgot to mention them. the trio guys the trio they're the bad guys they're the ones that are making buffy do these tedious exercises it's great uh so buffy moves on to thing number three I'll go get a job at the magic box. It'll be great. Uh, Jonathan gives her a test of satisfying a customer. And in a Groundhog Day fashion, it's pretty funny. Just keep repeating this thing. All the lady wants is a mummy hand. She can't get it. Hilarity ensues. That didn't work either. Thing number four. Maybe I shouldn't have a job at all. Maybe I should just go be a drunk ruffian with Spike. So Buffy tries to be a drunk ruffian with Spike. And it's not really to her liking. Because turns out Spike does weird shit in his free time like gamble with kittens. Uh, not gambling with kittens like he's playing kittens in poker. He is playing demons in poker and using kittens as currency, which some people believe is stupid currency. Uh, Buffy gets drunk, leaves the bar, doesn't want to deal with reality anymore. Spike failed her in her fun ruffian time. Uh, leaves. There's a big demon guy out there. It's secretly Jonathan. She kicks him. I don't know why we do that scene. And then we go back to Buffy's house where Buffy is drunk and sad, and Giles is like, here's a big-ass check. Things will be okay. The end! Man, that took forever. There's fun facts. Do you want to hear them? There's a first. Can you guess the first? Kittens used as currency? No, it's first appearance of Clem, obviously. Very oh, important. Clem, Very course, important. But we don't Clem know that yet. No, we don't. He's like standoffish. Oh, he was in the script. He was just a uh, loose-skinned demon. He didn't have a name yet. So mm. His importance is only going to matter forward yep i'm gonna i'm gonna talk better uh <laughs> for the rest of the episode don't worry in the buffy the vampire slayer movie lothos who's like the main bad guy vampire in the movie also eats cats so i don't know if that was like a uh, intentional thing i highly doubt it because we like to pretend that didn't exist so we i think it was last week we we're talking about if andrew was canonically gay it turns out he does come out in the 10th season uh, issue 11 it's called oh, wow. <laughs> love dares you yeah love dares you part one so season 10 issue 11 um, and in that same issue spike actually rescues seven kitt kittens from a poker game so uh, so, relevant. so they were watching this when they did this okay cool. i guess so but yeah i guess he does actually come out in that episode the mummy hand i know you're all dying you're like wow that is some amazing puppetry for the hand i mean i think the hand did look great it was a great gag but um that's a real puppeteer inside that hand. Alice Denian Vernon is a puppeteer from Sesame Street. She's the hand. Okay. So that's where you know. That's Sesame Street cred. They went to hand. royalty I know. for the hand. That's wild. The I was going to ask this, but then I found out this moment this, in a little trivia bit. The check that Giles gives Buffy, how much do you think it was for? I don't know. 500 bucks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Uh, I mean, probably like 5000 Good guess. It's actually for $10,000. Hmm. And the reason that we know this is that a 
like the actual prop check, I guess, uh, or a copy of the check was sold at auction in 2004 mm-hmm. and it said $10,000. But I don't think they ever actually cool. specifically say anywhere in the show uh, or show the check or anything like that. So, which adjusted for inflation, because I know you want to know that too, is actually $15,626.50 today. Mm. So. If she would have just stuck that straight in a savings account, it would be worth $5,000 more. But that's not really how it works because inflation and money, you know, still, still, it's actually worth less, right? If she tossed it in the bank, though, she she would be making money on this. Depending on that interest rate. I mean, if she did. Yeah. Um, I do have one thing, one other thing, but I don't think it's real. So in the, uh, this message board I was reading that has a bunch of like facts about the episodes and stuff. It says that it's like Tom Lank, who plays Andrew, does his own stunts, and he had to um, have a fire blanket. Adam Bush saved him by putting a fire blanket over him because his foot caught on fire. And they're saying it was because of this episode, but he doesn't step on a fire in this episode. The only fire is in the van, unless I totally missed it the three times I watched it, which I don't think I do. Do I mean, you remember? That was where the fire was? Huh? No, that was the only place. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that was the only spot. Yeah, yeah. In the van, right? Okay, but anyway, they were yeah. In the van so. The whole time. At some point, apparently, Tom Lang steps on a fire. They put rubber cement on his shoe because his shoe was supposed to catch on fire, but then it caught his whole leg on fire, and Adam Bush threw a Ooh. fire blanket on him to put him out. So, Warren what? seems like a real good guy, you know? Super good guy. Super, the best guy. Super good guy. <laughs> Should have learned by now. If you're going to play with fire, you got to expect sooner or later. I wasn't finished. Note to self, let's talk. Oh, God, I'm, I'm done talking. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Stacia, what did you think about this episode? I like this episode. It's fun to like have a little bit of like fun and games and not just have to deal with like, oh God, Buffy's damaged for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah, so you like the, the lightheartedness? Yeah. Feels like it's been a while. Does feel like it's been a while. Daniel, what do you think about this episode? Yeah, I mean I thought this was a lot like flooded. I think the two of them it's really only the angel um break that we had to have is really the delineation between these two because while this is a little bit more goofy than flooded was they're both you know they both deal with like the same subject matter um so i kind of take them together i mean it's it was a nice follow-up to flooded um you know it's kind of like hey what are you doing with your life and then we get to see her go try to figure it out and then at the end resolve what they could have resolved before which is like just chill it'll come to you you don't have to force it you know also here's some money but it was nice to have a lot of fun things mm-hmm. yeah I, I do think that it's you, you're right about it so the flooded and this are the same thing it's just mm-hmm. this is a even funner episode to deal with the consequences of what do you do when you brought back to life yeah. and you have no experience or skills outside of beating stuff up you saved me from having to accept giles offer to work at the magic box i mean retail easy I'd rather be dead again uh-huh. So that's like doomed, like all the bad episodes that have multiple writers. This one, I think, benefits because it's like perfectly delineated. So, I mean, I imagine I want to believe that Jane wrote the fucking Groundhog Day in the Magic Box because mm-hmm. that was by far like in f- f- just the funniest part of the entire oh, show yeah. and like brought it up points in my estimation. Still a lot of cooks. Yeah. Too bad. Um, they say pointedly like she, she's totally lacking focus i mean what is she doing she's like working in construction she's going to college blah blah and i'm like ah they're writers you guys are funny uh because like i didn't really pay attention to that them kind of telling on themselves throughout the season like really um telegraphing really telegraphing what the season's kind of about sure, right sure. like buffy's listless the hardest thing she has to do is fight teenage boys or you know 
I guess not teenage boys, older. <laughs> I feel like in their early 20s, right? Whatever. In this episode, in this season. And then normal again, obviously, is going to be like where you really drive that point home because they flat out say that in the episode. Like, you used to fight you know, huge monsters and stuff. And now the, you just have these dorky boys that you're fighting. Anyway, this episode was good. This episode was about Buffy doing jobs. So I wanted to know what are jobs? Whoa. <laughs> Stacia, can you tell me what, what are jobs? This, this is how we're doing it. I, I'm glad that I'm almost stringing together sentences at this point. Wow. I'm excited <laughs> to find out what jobs are. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the topic that Kelly gave me to research. And, you know, it's kind of um, mm-hmm. maybe lacking focus is the right way to yeah. put it. Apropos. So um, I decided instead of researching jobs, just the general concept of them, that I would pick my the job I think is the most interesting job I can think of and talk about that one. That sounds great. I mean, that fits under the category of jobs. I give you the broadest topic possible so that you yeah. can do what you will. Yeah. So is this the is... job being a Russian futurist? No. It's not. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> so the job is essentially being an astronaut, but if oh. astronauts went really deep into the ocean. Water astronauts. Water astronauts. I knew that was a job. <laughs> <laughs> also known as saturation diving. Whoa, it's real. Okay. <sighs> All right, so, yes, this is a real thing. I think this is fascinating. It's a very um, rare area, career route, I guess you could say. Um, There's 3,300 commercially certified divers employed in the U.S. Only 336 of them are saturation divers. So even within, like, a small subsection of people that work in commercial diving... A very, very small percentage of them does this highly specialized saturation diving. And basically, saturation diving, it has, like, two applications. One is, like, research, science. The other, in most common, is oil drilling. Sure. Right. <laughs> Gotta love that underwater construction. Oh, yeah. So, what what is a saturation diver? Well, when you're, you know, like, I think diving's cool. I want to learn about it. I want to get scuba certified. Uh, Mostly, most, like, basic hobbyists get certified to dive up to 60 feet. And then a more advanced hobbyist, kind of the limits of that is about 130 feet down. Saturation divers dive down to depths of 1,000 feet. (laughs) So. (laughs) No. uh, There's two things that happens. Um, with diving and this can happen in any kind of diving it doesn't have to be saturation diving although obviously the deeper you go the more extreme these things are one of them is called nitrogen narcosis basically you get too much nitrogen in your body and it makes you act like you're drunk Hmm. you um, (laughs) lose your sense of balance like you don't know which way is up which way is down you like lose coordination you begin to make really bad judgment calls the deeper you go and the worse it gets, you can black out or start hallucinating. So it's really not a good thing to have happen when you're like, you know, really deep underwater. What's going on? Uh, negative space. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. The way to counteract this is 
you have to reduce the amount of nitrogen that you breathe. So if you're just a hobbyist diver, you're diving like 40 feet underwater or something, you're probably just breathing straight oxygen. Not a big deal. Like just normal like air. They just put it in a can and that's what you breathe. But if you're diving deeper than that, you get a special air mix. And essentially it takes out all or most of the nitrogen in our normal breathing air. So you've got oxygen and you've got the replacement for nitrogen, which they use helium. Mm. Oh. So <laughs> just keep that in your mind for a second. So saturation divers, you're breathing in oxygen and helium. The other thing, and this is the biggest thing for saturation divers, is decompression. Specifically avoiding decompression sickness, which is also known as the bends. <laughs> and if you know anything about it, it's a it's really painful. So essentially when you breathe and you're breathing in a pressured environment, which the deeper you go, the higher the pressure is, um, gases will dissolve into your bloodstream through your lungs, which normally isn't a big deal because they can also dissolve like or like release themselves back out when you're not under pressure. But when you are under pressure, it's essentially like shoving the gas into your bloodstream and holding it there. And so your body can't release it like it naturally would. And the farther you go under and the longer you stay under, the more gas builds up in your body. So if you shoot to the surface without doing decompression stops, what happens is uh, all the gas releases at once. It like literally creates bubbles in your bloodstream. It, it like it will cause clogs in like your arteries. And if it's in a place where it like can't escape, like it's not that harmful if it happens in your lungs, but if it's in like a more solid part of your body it'll like rip your veins because there's just nowhere for it to go it's like think about like water when it freezes into ice right and it expands (laughs) that's kind of what's happening ice is cool it's water but it's not so not great how do we avoid this well you have to slow the depressurization when you rise up it's about 24 hours per 100 feet of sea depth for all the gases to like normally yeah dissipate so if you really dive 100 feet down it takes you about 24 hours to do your decompression stops to get back up to the st- the top safely which is an issue when you're diving say a thousand feet down yeah. <laughs> because suddenly you're not looking at you know 24 hours which is already a very long time to be underwater but like just the decompression alone to get back up to the surface is like a two-week ordeal <laughs> You know, you think about it and you're like, commercially, we have to have someone dive a thousand feet into the water to fix this thing that's broken or to, you know, do whatever kind of stuff they need. We can't pay them for two weeks to depressurize just for that one thing. But you know what we could do? We could just keep them down there for a month. (laughs) Enter saturation diving. (laughs) So basically, once you've built up the gases in your body, they don't get any more. Like, and it's safe for you to be and hold those gases in your body as long as you remain under pressure. So you can stay at a depth or a pressure of like the equivalence of a thousand feet for as long as you want, which means you say you stay there for 30 days. You just do one long decompression at the end instead of having to decompress at the end of every day. (laughs) What you get is essentially astronauts underwater. (laughs) And um, so what they do is they go into something called a diving bell. Diving bell is pressurized. And this, like, again, you have, like, an amount of time 
that it should take you to like go to a thousand feet. So it happens over like the course of two days. You sit in this diving bell and wait for the pressure to get big enough and you have to deal with the pressure, right? It's like when you get in an airplane and your ears pop, like they have to pop their ears, like weird stuff happens to you. Their joints get really sore. It's like a whole thing. They can start feeling really, really crappy. You kind of have to like go into it knowing that's going to happen. And then you're there and that's what you're doing for three months. So they take the diving bell, which looks kind of like an actual bell, and they drop it down to wherever you're working. You go out of the bell, you do your job for six hours, you go back into the bell, you sleep, (laughs) go out, you do your job, you go back into the bell, you sleep, and that's it. Like you just do that for a month and everything that you need comes from the ship that's above you. Like every day the divers will order food and a chef will make it and it'll be brought down to them and put through a little like opening. (laughs) If they need tools, the tools will be lowered down to them. (laughs) If they need to go to the bathroom, this is like a two person operation that involves many different valves and pressurizing chambers so that no one gets blown up. (laughs) Wow. And then um, the other thing to think about with saturation diving, you're working in basically no visibility. There's absolutely no light. Like the sun can't go down that far. So you have your light on your helmet, but you might not even be able, but might not be that helpful because if like silt is kicked up, it's kind of like shining headlights in the fog. Like you can't see anything further than so far away from you. So they're often working in these like really dark, scary, like low visibility conditions and everything they're depending on comes from this diving bell, right? Like the heat their food, their oxygen. <laughs> uh, so they're like totally dependent on it. And essentially, if anything goes wrong, like help can't come to them. It's going to take days for help to get to them. And it would take weeks for them to get back to the surface. So they really have to be like calm and cool under pressure. So the like training and certification to become a saturation diver is so extreme. And even if you do all of that, it's really hard to get hired unless other people will vouch for you because no one wants to get stuck a thousand feet underwater with someone who's going to freak out sure. <laughs> yeah. and lose it. <laughs> Xander, ghost boy drowning in a tub. I, I, I tried to save him, but being a ghost already, well, I was way too late. So the divers almost majority of them are all men i think there's a couple of women now but for the longest time it's only been men the men would call their families and be like bye i'm going underwater and like you can use your cell phones when you're underwater like they have ways to talk yeah i know it's weird right but they're breathing helium (laughs) so they sound like chipmunks (laughs) and so like one kid was like i can't talk to daddy when he's underwater because i don't speak duck and he sounds like a duck (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you've got these like big burly men with deep voices that are suddenly talking in these really high pitches and apparently like you'll also often have like a group a saturation dive team where it's like one guy's from belgium and one guy's from nova scotia and one guy's from you know the south of the u.s and it's like you all have these different accents but you're all also talking in these like really high-pitched voices <laughs> hilarious um so why would you want to be a saturation diver and i think uh, aside from maybe wanting to have like the complete daylight scared out of you and you're like a thrill seeker i don't know um it's the money <laughs> yeah i would hope you get paid up to about fourteen hundred dollars a day which Whoa. works out to about one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year I mean, it almost doesn't no. seem like enough, it actually. Seem like enough, no. Need more. I know. But wild. And again, like the depressurizing, even if you don't get the bends, it's still uncomfortable. It's still painful. Like your like your body is filled with gases and like it, weird things happen to you when you're undergoing those like extreme pressure changes. So one guy said like 
he feels like he's been gone a month and he's been in stasis, right? And his family's moved on and they've like done things and they've changed and he comes back and he's like, I don't even know how I fit in here. Like I physically feel miserable. Like I'm all pale. I'm all sure. weak. Uh, like, and you finally just get back into the swing of things with your family and you're like, hey, see you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going back under. So uh, it sounded like it's not a job that has a really high retention rate. It said like, out of 20 people that get certified to do saturation diving, only one of them is still diving five years later doing mm. that. So it's pretty brutal. But I think it's fascinating. It's like as scary and as intense as like being an astronaut. And honestly, it's almost like you're even further away because you can get <laughs> from outer space to Earth faster than you can decompress if you're at like these depths as a saturation diver because it will take you 14 days that you're sitting in a chamber just waiting till you can leave and the weird thing is like they'll bring the bell up every night like you don't stay underwater you just stay at that pressure so people can like look at you (laughs) through the window but like you can't touch them you can't do anything (laughs) you just have to wait and there's stories of like you know if you get hurt underwater like they they've all got first aid training or whatever but no one's coming to help you they can't like it's like physically impossible so they'll talk about how they have like these ways that you like send bodies up and how even the bodies have to be depressurized but they can be depressurized faster but if you just do it immediately and yank them up they essentially just like explode into goo oh my god <laughs> yeah so it's like this bizarre intense scary thing um there's this one guy who was talking about how um um he said he was working and he started breathing so hard that the like oxygen system couldn't keep up with him which makes it even worse because you're not getting enough oxygen so you start breathing harder and then it makes it even harder for the system to catch up so like you like physically have to just force yourself to slow down until the system can start giving you enough oxygen again and like you just there's nothing you can do (laughs) you'll just end up passing out if you cannot like control your anxiety i cannot believe these people (laughs) that's so intense so yeah anyways i find this like endlessly fascinating and i'm like constantly watching videos and reading articles about these people because it's just like so completely outside the realm of like sure people's like normal um experiences i mean you're pushing it to the limit of human capability like biologically the how the makeup of our bodies like that's so crazy yeah that's why you need a superhero to go down there like buffy buffy would be fine she would be fine yeah yeah like she could fight underwater demons right they've got to be some where were you i was looking at the fishes was it cool it was fishes i mean thank you for that and yeah what a beautiful segue welcome from one job that Buffy could maybe do. I don't know that if she could handle. I don't think being she a diver. It's weird because it's like, you know, like heavy manual labor, and then like periods of extreme boredom where you're trapped in this like entire, like incredibly tiny little living space where you basically have your bunk and that's it, and then possibly moments of sheer panic and death. I don't know who can handle that. <laughs> well, we've said on this podcast, Buffy needs her friends. That's the whole point. So I don't think the friends are coming mm-hmm. down with her. So. I no. don't think she'll no. want to. Do I it. did have a revelation because we we're talking about like what would Buffy be good at for a job, and I was thinking, watching this episode, that maybe she should be like a martial arts instructor, yeah, right? During the day, she could charge people for self defense skills, and then be like, "Here's my card. Call me if a vampire attacks." Yeah, and yeah. then like kill vampires by night. Yeah. Did you that hear what happened a, at the a, bank? Like we, that was me. I took care of the <laughs> bank people. 
you know like come on <laughs> yeah Just call me free advertising call me yeah the self-defense thing could she could totally do that right Daniel, what do you think that Buffy would be good at? Like, I mean, I think that she would have been okay at the construction situation if things were different. I mean, it was just a matter of circumstance, really. If, if the trio hadn't been dicking around, I think that she could have been okay. I think so, too. I, I think you got to get her unionized first. But, yeah, she uh, is definitely would definitely be great at that. Of course, if they saw her pick up a beam like that, they everyone would just be like, yeah, this is... You know, I get the guy saying slow down, like we're paid by the hour. That's another cliche that construction workers always say. But, you know, if you're the foreman or whatever, you're trying to actually get it done. You'd be like, yes, I want this person instantly to work here. Are you kidding me? You're that strong? What the fuck? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get that you get paid by the hour, but if you just have her do all of the work and then you (sighs) can still just like sit around. (laughs) Yeah, but then I don't think she's a slave, so I think she'll need to... uh, you know, be compensated for. I don't, I'm sure she wouldn't be like, yeah, you guys just all sit and I'll just do all the work. Since you're not union, I had to call in a few favors to get you on a crew. Uh, wh- what is another job that you think that, that Buffy might be okay at? Oh, I mean, she doesn't like going to classes. She hates retail. Um, <laughs> Clearly. She could be a lawyer. I don't know. I mean, she will later, she, you know, she works at the Double Meat Palace, but... She also is a, a guidance counselor out of nowhere with no credentials. Yeah, that <laughs> okay. was so weird. So, yeah, I was trying to think of another job that she could do. It but has to be I think that's a great answer. Self physical. De- self-defense. Yeah, teachers. or the martial arts yeah. thing I think is great. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I mean, because she's got the skills. She's literally, like, if, if there's any uh, hobby that she has, it would definitely be working out and punching back. Yeah, but I don't think she'd be a good personal trainer, though, because she's freakishly strong, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that would c- totally warp the expectations of whoever is training with her like the, and i don't know but that she pulled back for riley so we'll just pull back for them oh yeah yeah that's true but just like i don't know how much she knows about weightlifting and stuff yeah because she I doesn't have to yeah. right i mean i think we've talked about that kind of before but she would get someone hurt yes oh absolutely she would get somebody hurt yeah retail is a is a fast-paced and exciting world i mean is this whole day has gone by too quickly for you no no, I don't think that's exactly the problem. College is a place where people in Buffy go to sometimes. What do you think Willow's major is? So, <laughs> first, was that the name of the class that Mike was teaching, or was that just like the like the what thing where stu- the topic of study? Board? Yeah, because teacher, unless it's the, the first, the okay, yeah, because unless it's like the first day of class, why would they ever put on the chalkboard the name of the class? <laughs> Yeah, right? I feel like it's got to be like the chapter or theme or something. Yeah, and so it, yeah, it's sociology, right? Because like I think they actually when they're walking away, she th- that's what Tara says, like she, she didn't like sociology or whatever. Um, so yeah, what do you think Willow's major is? Because all we know, we, so she's taking sociology. She took psychology last year as well as drama. Uh, what do you what do you think? She's a sophomore. Should be. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because you don't really have to pick your major until you're a junior. So she could just be doing her random undergrad stuff mm. or um, not undergrad, but like lower class requirements. Yeah. Prerequisites. There we go. Um, yeah. Everybody needs a sociology and a psych and all that shit. Yeah. Who knows? I feel like I just Willow has really not looked good for me this time watching it again. I'm just like, what are you doing with your life, Willow? <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and quote you. You earlier. wrote down what I said. <laughs> I hate Willow. Oh, wow. This rewatch has been brutal for Willow. <laughs> it sure has been. I'm just like, what is she doing in school right now? This is just so... Ugh. 
terrible. I think it's crazy that they made her like audit classes. I just like this girl walks in with some chicken and you guys are instantly like badgering her. She just got back from being dead. And it's like, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you come sit on some fucking dumbass classes? Like I was dead. <laughs> I know. I was dead. And then she's like, well, give me a fucking break. I'll sign up when I can again. And they're like audit classes in the meantime. What's the point? Yeah. The classes what's have the already point? started. You don't know what's going on and you aren't totally. going to get any credit for it. And you've got other stuff to worry about. Is that something you can just do? You can just sit down on classes? No. I didn't think so. Uh, you you have to no. pay, wouldn't you? Yeah. They shut the door policy in the school. It's like so intense. Like you don't make it in one second. You're out. You're done. So. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, my experience is if you want to audit a class, usually there's a fee, although it's less than if you're getting a grade for the ca- class, right. but you still have to sign up beforehand You can't just like sit in randomly in the middle (laughs) of the term and especially not just like, oh, as Willow's friend, they'd be like, who are you? Get out. I mean, if if you you knew the class, you could just go and sit down. No one would know. I mean, it depends on where you are. Well, that's a small class, though. It's not like a huge lecture hall. Yeah. And Mike clearly knows everyone. Yes. He knew everyone's name. And the flip side. Steve. I'm sure if you had a professor which most aren't who is not diligent about taking attendance or anything like that you could you could just walk into the class and sit down and well, no why would you yeah well why would you is like no the idea. best question like why, yeah. why what's the point of this i mean if you really wanted you to know, learn get, about like, something i guess high schoolers doing it well and, and kids will do that like i mean it depends if you're like wanting to see a certain class or something there are reasons to do it but i mean for buffy just to come you need money like is this about time because like what what what, what do you, why are you doing this like this isn't getting you any money if that's your goal right so you're just going and sitting in classes maybe to make it easier for next time but is it really like you're in the middle of the year and now you just get to learn about social construction of reality how is that really that beneficial and do you think she's like a good student that's going to retain it i i would say no so like what what is actually the point to any of this i don't know yeah it's bizarre her auditing classes is like the weirdest thing she does in the day honestly because it's like if you know you want to go back to school, great, and you can do that when you can enroll, and that's fine. But yeah, just sitting in on classes that you're not aren't going to be relevant to anything you're actually going to learn, or like why you know how co- you went to this college, yeah. you know you you've went you've gone here I before, know. right? Like, <laughs> there's no reason to like reacquaint yourself with stuff or do any of this, especially for classes you're definitely not going to take. So yeah, if it's just a thing to fill yeah. her days. Right? Like, Buffy, what are you going to do with your time? You, you can't possibly just be a slayer. That's not enough. Saving people's lives all the time. How dare you? You better fill your day with some structured fucking some kind of something. And okay, fine. Then that makes sense. Sure, I guess go, go sit in Tara's art appreciation class. It's fine. Well, can we also, like, Willow did her job and got Buffy to the class. Tara did not do her job. <laughs> she did not successfully get Buffy to Tara the class. Tara was so high that day. <laughs> so high. I mean, it's like, obviously we can bring it up later, but it's just so funny. Like, you didn't even tap her on the shoulder when she's drinking her water. You just went to the other end of the hallway and you're just like, Buffy, we got to go. <laughs> like, grab her. Grab her and be like, hey, what's wrong with you? We got to go. Tara, man. Okay, tough. but what's even weirder is that when she leaves, it's like Buffy's like trying in the middle of trying to explain times being really weird. And I would assume just kind of stops moving. And then Stays Tara's out, like, yeah. ah, and walks away. What? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's a dereliction of duty. I mean, you talk about being friends like that's they're not friends. 
Like, Atera is a new character in this episode because, like, I thought they were friends, but this is not friend behavior. This is acquaintance behavior. Like, you know, oh, okay. Well, I feel like even acquaintances should be more concerned about Buffy just, like, totally. freezing into s- in space. You'd be like, oh, my God, is she having a seizure? Should I call 911? Like, what is going on? I know. And, like, no one cares. And she's, like, wailing about on the ground, crawling. <laughs> And no one people are just anything. walking over her <laughs> what oh, God. yeah i i really wonder how the time thing works but it must be just kind of the way that they portrayed it at least all you can think is that yeah she would be uh, standing perfectly still she would just be frozen in that moment while the world moves around her i mean it's, it really that scene in the courtyard really is what makes it right because they they are moving just it looks like they're moving super fast and she's not so in real in our concept of time in reality she'd be barely moving she'd be like slowly slowly <laughs> crawling on the ground yeah and everyone's like okay gotta <laughs> run as fast as i can to my class all good uh but yeah the <laughs> until terror, someone hits her and then she falls down and it's like a nightmare if that is what it is right like yeah. which it seems like it is then yeah tara what the fuck <laughs> I just can't believe so it. Weird. It's so weird. What I'm is so she sad. doing? I feel so bad for Tara. <laughs> she just gets done dirty. It's just it, she'll never win on this show. No, no. God. Is there ever a greater example it's not of, her, show. It's not of her being high? I just, I don't think so. I don't think so. And and just being so game for the chicken too. Like I laughed so hard when she's like, "I'll have more chicken." It's like, oh god, of course, of course you will. Of course, of course. Honey. I'm the original one-eyed chicklet in the kingdom of the blind. Buffy's time at the magic box, which I agree is absolutely the funniest segment in the episode. It got me thinking. So other than when Glory buys the Sobeke and Bloodstone and the Cole's amulet, Mm -hmm. I can't think of another time where people are like, holy shit, this person bought this something. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, Stacia, that the magic box ever keeps track of who's buying what? I don't think they do, and I think it's negligence. <laughs> Agreed. Daniel? <laughs> oh, 100%. It is, it is incredible <laughs> to me. That, I mean, like, this this thing in one reality ha- had the ability to fucking, you know, choke this person out to death. And it's like, hey, you don't even know where it's coming from, really. You don't know where it's going. And, yeah, you give, out, you give it out to glory. You give it out to all sorts of bad people. Like, this person could be the big bad of the year. And you're just, like, selling it to her. Just talking on the phone with her. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I'm pretty sure in Checkpoint, even when all the council people are rifling through his stuff, they're like, this is stuff people shouldn't have. I don't yeah. know why you are just giving this to people. Big, tough council members picking on the books. Fascists. That woman wanting the mummy hand that was clearly fucked up and capable of strangling people wanted it for a prosperity spell. That sounded like a total fucking lie. <laughs> well, even <laughs> if it, it wasn't that immediately, it's like you're trying to find a way to make money, right? Like maybe you win the lotto, like whatever your spell does or like something to make you money. But it's like, yeah, clearly people are buying some of this stuff for super insidious reasons. We should maybe keep track of that, no? Do you think that the prosperity spell was just her reselling it on eBay for its actual market value, which is not $200? It's uh, like... I looked it up two and a half to five thousand dollars. You looked it up? Yeah, I looked it up. What did you look up? Like the a cost of a can? mummified hand. <laughs> oh wow. You can one can purchase a mummified hand? I mean not legally. <laughs> <laughs> 
amazing. <laughs> Where would one acquire such a thing? Look, I'm not going to get box, into the clearly. details. Yeah, the magic box, obviously. <laughs> but $200 is not the going market rate, even in 2000 and whenever this was. Well, clearly what you're saying is if anyone out there needs a mummy hand, ask Stacia. No, please She'll don't. <laughs> clearly. Let's just be clear for the, any of feds listening. I have never bought nor sold never mummy bought. paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> assorted mummy parts yeah (laughs) yeah i mean so you do think that they should you think they should be keeping track i mean i think this is america there's probably a lot of what they sell is probably just like candles and incense and stuff which doesn't matter but if you're selling something that had like real power it seems like you'd want to be like i need your contact information (laughs) or you know just or not sell it (laughs) i don't know i i see this as more of like a gun store where it's like we're in this club together. Discretion yeah. is kind of the point. I'm yeah. not going to ask your shit. You don't ask my shit. We're all above board. Wink, wink. You know, and like you could just go home and play around with this fucking monkey hand or this candle and it's it's harmless, you know, or you can go fucking murder kids in school, whatever you want. It's up, not up to <laughs> me to do. But I mean, that's what I would think that especially with like Giles and Anya, you know, believing like the way she does about America and capitalism. Yeah, I think that she would see it as an affront to even start because she would see it as bad for business. Right. People aren't that, that person wouldn't buy there because they, they want it. They don't want their name on anything, but they want the money. So that's going to be a problem for someone like Anya. The only thing that they could should maybe be worried about is if they could be liable for the, being the ones that sold it to them. But we know this town has no police. Magic doesn't exist, though. And yeah, magic isn't real. We know that the, this town has no police. And like, how would you possibly prosecute that? Right? It's like the, that age-old question with Buffy, where it's like, who is supposed to be responsible for, for stopping these things? Because there's nobody who's really equipped to do it, except for Buffy. So if there was some kind of rogue sorcerer that they accidentally created from the the magic box, it would be up to them to also stop them. I guess, right? So like, yeah, it's probably well, okay. Also, I guess there's the issue of like legality. Um, I'm pretty sure it's illegal in like all 50 states to sell mummy pieces. And also, I think <laughs> I've read before that Egypt officially like owns all mummies, kind of like how China owns all. Pandas, pandas like all egyptian mummies and obviously there's mummies from other countries um this seemed to be specifically an egyptian mummy that's why i'm saying that uh it's illegal though so maybe you shouldn't be <laughs> selling that you need like on you needs to do a little research on you know selling human body parts and the restrictions on that because there are restrictions <laughs> well i i also in in, in addition yeah. to this being like the gun store metaphor i also think it's like sam goodies where or not sam goodies it would be um spencer's gifts you know most of the stuff i mean it probably is all fake and they probably, at the end of the day, that mummified hand, obviously, we saw was real. But if I were them, I would just give them a fake one, you know, or like one that looks good, but has no real power. And it's like, what are they going to do? Come back and be like, it didn't work? Because if there was, if the, if you really could do the prosperity spell, wouldn't Giles just do that? Wouldn't you have Willow just like really quickly conjure up that prosperity spell and make us all rich, pay off our bills and be done with it? Or is this, again, like there are layers to this world where you can walk in, somebody says, hey, I found this prosperity spell. I need the stuff. And obviously someone like Willow, like that level of magic is fake. Like Willow, a, a, a witch can be like, that's a fake spell. But great, we can cash in on these fucking trendy people that want to come and play magic. Raising the dead is the real stuff, but nobody wants to do that for fun, you know? Because otherwise, yeah, why wouldn't they just do the prosperity thing? We definitely don't 
ever go into that right like to make that delineation we've kind of with the old shopkeepers been like what is angel called the local boogity boogity store they're just selling paperweights or even like i don't know but then we play with it the other way too right because giles buys that um or Bethesda, mm-hmm. and he was like, I was using it as a paperweight, but he knew what it really was. So it's like for the other shopkeepers, the ones that have all died before Giles got the store, they might have had this stuff, and some of it was legit magical items in our world. Like Willow would buy the thing to do the spell, and yeah. she has, right? She has bought magic mm-hmm. spell items from the past shopkeepers. So <sighs> you would think that our our friends, Giles and Anya, would know better than to actually put the items that can do real harm on the shelves but but they sold the thing to glory so it's like i mean i guess that's why it was in the back and buffy had to go get it yes yes only true. real witches know to ask for the daddy hand in the yeah. back <laughs> but this could be the gun metaphor too where it's just like wink wink nod nod i'm gonna tell you the reason i want it but i'm i can't tell you the real reason i want it right because if we just pretend like there are prosperity spells and love potions then it's like yeah of course i just want that fun earn you know this this weird cup and all this stuff for those reasons but because if somebody walked in and was like hey I'm trying to raise my friend from the dead can you help me get the pieces that I want I feel like I mean hopefully again I don't know about them but I feel like that would be a red flag but if you walked in and the same ingredients are also used in a love potion spell and a spell to get rich or like a foot cream or something yeah. <laughs> so I could see glory walking in and being like I want this powerful thing but I just want it to put on a shelf. You know, I have no idea what's, right. what it's about. It just looks pretty. Well, what are you going to do? Deny somebody that walks in your store thinking it's Spencer's and like looking at an urn that's like priceless and being like, that's pr- beautiful. Oh, shit. You're only selling it for $200. Okay. And then it sits on a shelf forever, you know, or you could be glory. Yeah, I guess it's just it, it might be a little bit of hubris that they assume that normal people, you know, normal people of Sunnydale or whatever, that regardless of the fact that they constantly are beset by magical demons and creatures or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that they w- wouldn't know what to do with it, right? It doesn't matter. It's fine that we sell this because there's no ammo. We don't sell bullets, right? right? They they sure. can't they can't actually do the thing that that's dangerous with this. But until yeah, what if Prosperity Lady was just like, oh yeah, no, this is just so that my garden grows bigger next year. J.K. raising the dead, raising the dead, sure. right? Although we're cool with that, we're cool with that. But then you wouldn't need a business if you just did the prosperity thing, right? So like that's where just like that can't exist because then why would Giles even be in business? Why would anyone be in business, right? Or it's that yeah, monkey's just paw. do the what prosperity prosper- spell, or it's monkey's paw, right? where it's like what does prosperity mean and in the end you kind of like have to play with that very carefully because if everybody knew how to do a prosperity spell and there was such a thing do you think one person's prosperity spell negates someone else's right like if i do it and then somebody in new zealand does it at the same time that i do it they take my prosperity are we all sharing the same bit of prosperity you know like prosperity can come Mm -hmm. and go right i could have it for a moment and then it's gone the next day so it's kind of like maybe that's why people don't do it because of the you know the thing that's you know unforeseen i don't know that's a lot of questions that Buffy just will never, ever deign to even contemplate or answer. But I, I think it is kind of fascinating. I'm glad you even brought it up. I never. No, it, it totally is. I mean, because we it really plays with the reality that our characters are living in. Yeah. Like, what what does it mean for these people to have all these items that are possibly incredibly destructive, and for them to just hand them out to people? Why would you do that? If you had a thing that can make you an, an immeasurable amount of money, why wouldn't you just do the thing yourself? Like. It's it's very interesting. See, Jonathan, he didn't know that his little spell was going to be such an amazing segment on the show or book this conversation. Who knew? No, no, not here. Not at my job. That's your job. I can't help where the forces of darkness attack me, Xander. Well, Buffy does visit with one other person to figure out her life, and that is Spike. And Spike, 
recommends, why aren't you just faith? Just be faith, basically. Why don't you just beat up people all the time and just cause problems and just drink and hang out and be a ruffian? Uh, Buffy doesn't seem super into it. Stacia, do you think that Buffy being Faith will work out? Because I think we did an episode about that earlier in this show, and it didn't work out. Sorry, spoilers. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just all the sweating nightly, side-by-side action, and you never put in for a little after-hours. Uh, thanks for the poetry. And now... I don't think she'd find it satisfying. Obviously, she's, like, drowning her sorrows to, like, in this instance, and that makes sense. You're... Fa- had a very hard homecoming. <laughs> yeah. But she's, you know, she's got that annoying kind of like hero. I must do the right thing to be the right, <laughs> right, right. What like faith clocked her for doing yeah, like, totally. because it's wrong. Like she's just got that in her core. She can never be. Oh yeah. Trash. She scoundrel Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in Bad Girls, we, we tried, right? She like, yeah, she did. We're, let's break oh, into the store yeah. or whatever. And then instantly consequences. <laughs> Literally consequences. That's the name of the fucking episode. Literal isn't it? consequences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, she tried, I, and I think that in a darker show, I think that maybe she could go that direction. Dana, what do you think? Oh, I, I think in a, in a, we've kind of gone down this road with other people, and we will go down with fucking Willow and her magic addiction. We did this with Riley. Like the last thing we need is her being this you know, 2000s male protagonist in all of the TV shows where we drink our sorrows and then we try to be a good person. Like, I don't, we don't need that from her. She just should just be the best she can be. She doesn't need to have this crutch. Um, Having, they they explored it elsewhere. So they're not pretending like it doesn't exist in the world. I mean, you could even say someone like Spike is there, you know, so we don't need Spike 2.0 and we don't need Faith 2.0. You have had so too much drink at this point. I am cutting you off. I agree. I mean, Spike and Faith do get along when they do actually get to hang out. Later Why in wouldn't they? Seven. You know, for sure. I mean, yeah. Faith would be super fun to hang out with, especially if you're drinking and having a good time. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt she's a life of the party, but she's not a good slayer or a good friend. So those are those are qualities that Buffy prizes or should. Yeah, that's what. Um, Jessica Jones is basically that archetype, right? Yeah. Like, I'm constantly drunk. I'm a total fuck up, but I'm a superhero. So yeah. this is these are my struggles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's a middle path, though. And I think Kendra or people like of her ilk would be that middle path where it's like, well, you want Buffy to do something with her time, I guess. So she could go full like, OK, I'm going to like what she tried to do in the season five, which is like, I want to know more be about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Just become like, that's your life, man. Like really train for it. Really do like that's kind of what Spike is saying. Kind of right. Like you want to fight. You want that's in your blood. It's to do that thing. It's to kill the kill the monster. So like, yeah, you could just really do that. Minus the sad drinking and stuff. I mean, he does have a legitimate point. Like, obviously, she doesn't need to be a ruffian whatever we've been calling her (laughs) him being like you're a creature of the darkness like you can't pretend like you're not the slayer first like and you should recognize that trying to do these like human things is always going to be you know problematic because the slayer is gonna like (laughs) rear its ugly head you're a killer buffy well like you know when she's at the construction site right Mm -hmm. like trouble's always gonna find her no that's your job this is my job (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is the restless conundrum coming in. I mean, because, yeah, it's like you don't want to be like a worse show would be every episode you would have Buffy always lingering on. Every episode is just talking about how I am death. I am the killer mm, of worlds. Right, I yeah. need to, you know, it's like you can you sprinkle that in throughout. You let it be a big motif and you can keep having a B one for the next two seasons. Continue to hit on that restless energy, which is exactly what Spike is saying. Lean into what you already know. You forgot you died. You came back. Hey, I'm going to remind you. Remember all that stuff before? Yeah, you are the Slayer. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot because you bring a lot to the table, but it also means this other thing. Don't forget about that other thing. You know, and a good show like Buffy is going to sprinkle that in and not beat it over your head. So Mm. I didn't even think about the first, you know, but what he said was pretty much exactly that. I have no speech, no name. I live in the action of death, the blood cry, the penetrating wound. I am destruction, absolute, alone. The Slayer. The first. So come and play some kitten poker with me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not the best way to invite her into it your world. It just shows Spike is kind yeah. of a goober. Like, this is the best we could do is go listen to people. Did he think that would <laughs> so impress bad. her? I guess. I think it's cute. It's endearing. I mean, it makes me like Spike more because it's like, yeah, well, we're going to go out and do some <laughs> crazy stuff. Play some poker with some cats. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of crazy. <laughs> but come on. It's just PG, man. And yeah. you are PG. You're so, neutered, right? I mean, she even called him that. So it's like, yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. ouch. Yeah. I mean, she did totally call him out for like, this is dumb. This is dumb. <laughs> what are you doing is <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I want to stake you right now. And it's like, she yeah, probably wants to just to go home. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, one last quick question. So we know Giles leaves. Buffy doesn't know he's going to leave yet. And then, you know, the very last shot is if Giles's little face as he's like, you know, because Buffy says, I'm just glad to know you're always going to be here. And then he's like, oh, yeah, everything's great because I love you. OK, bye. And then he's just like, oh, so do you think Sasha, at this point, Giles is for sure planning to leave again already? I think he wants to. I don't know if he's like actually planned it yet. Hmm. Daniel? I guess I don't remember how he goes or why. So, I mean, my answer would be that I know he leaves. So I think he always wants to leave. Yeah. Well, I think we already kind of talked about that where it's like he didn't actually want to come back. Right. It was just yeah. Buffy's alive and he kind of had to. Yeah. Did, when does he leave? He leaves after like Tabula Rasa then or something or. He leaves during Tabula Rasa okay. the very end. Okay. So that's how it goes. Because I know he's there for once but more. But like, so he secretly there. bought plane tickets. That's the thing. Like during the course of the episode, we discovered that he bought plane tickets and didn't tell anybody. Um, again again yeah again um so i just i was just curious when it when it happened like when he made the decision like i'm for sure gonna leave and if it was like buffy doing this thing because clearly he doesn't like that buffy's depending on him so much I, you yeah. know partially it's because i mean i would hope that most of it's just because he wants her to be able to stand on her own or whatever that's the whole song he sings in mm-hmm. uh once more the feeling right but I don't know. I feel like there's a, maybe a little bit of selfishness to it, too. Maybe he went, you know, he, too, was done, right? Well, we talked about that last week. Yeah, so. I mean, it, yeah. it does. I, I guess in my head, I think he went back. Obviously, he wants to see Buffy. He wants to see that she's okay. And now he's kind of waiting for her to give him the sign that she's okay so he right. can leave. And she doesn't. And she just, like, holds on to him harder. And so now he's got to justify it. Why can I leave? Because I still want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I don't really know how to say this. But it's a little like having mom back. In this scenario, I am your mother. Not 
to be my shiftless absentee father. Um, now is a great time, I think, uh, to remind anybody, everyone that you can find us everywhere at BeatMePod. That's Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website. It is BeatMe.wordpress.com. And that contains notes about this podcast. Like if we make a reference to something and Daniel plays an excellent little clip and you're like, hey, what was that clip from? Boom. Show notes. BeatMe.wordpress.com. It also contain a link to a Spotify playlist that we make that has all the music from our podcast episodes, dear God, as well as all the music from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that's available on Spotify. You can find that at Spotify. The playlist is called Beat Me Hyphen Fun Time Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 6. Okay, well, Mm. let's yell about some stuff. (laughs) Stacia. Oh, me first. Um... What were Bobby's life plans before she died? Yeah, I mean, she was in school, like she said, but that was about it. But she wasn't. She dropped out because her mom was sick. Well, yeah, but before that. Yeah, but my point is, at the day that she died, once she defeats Glory, what is she doing with her right. life? Hmm. Nothing. Yeah, I guess she would just go back to school. I mean, that seems to be the only answer she has to give. And that's a fine answer. Like, that, if she wants to go back to school, that's great. And I get why they're like, well, oh, just go f- fill your time. But it's like, well, she could go look around town isn't there something else to do you know i don't know but it's true what was she doing before then she had already kind of interrupted her life so yeah get a hobby the we, we have a category for our watches that buffy has a personality maybe she could actually get, get one. a personality girl get gosh one. she has a hobby it's drinking it is now it's drinking. it is now it's a good hobby. and soon it'll be having destructive sex literally <laughs> destructive sex with a, a vampire okay let's let that go <laughs> yep yes. okay daniel yes. Stoked about that. Um, I we didn't really even talk about the construction site uh, in Xander, but I do love all of the union and construction stereotypes. We got Tony the foreman who calls Buffy a yep. gidget. I don't really know what that means. That's uh, a reference to a 1970s, I think, sitcom starring Sally Field. She's the eponymous wow. gidget. Wow. Okay, so that really dates Tony as a person. Don't mind him. He may seem pig ignorant, rude, and a little hostile. Have fun. Uh, Marco, <laughs> Marco uh, with his affirmative action lawyer joke, which is like, oh. Okay, what does that amazing. mean? What did that mean? I didn't understand. See, I don't know, Tone. I don't want to get in trouble with those affirmative action lawyers. You know what I'm saying? Why don't you put a uh, little Brittany here on Holland duty? It's Buffy. Okay, princess. You're on it. Well, he, you're going to get in trouble because all the men are working and you got a woman over here. So you got to let the woman do it. Because of affirmative uh, action, so says Marco with his uh, jokes, okay. misunderstanding the whole point, which is obviously why. And then we got the dude saying, "Slow down, we get paid by the hour. You're making us look bad." And then Vince coming in here with period jokes like that. I know for. everything was uncalled for, and I just it was so funny. Like, wow, this place really sucks. And poor Xander's <laughs> just like, <laughs> and even Xander's like, I gotta pretend to be this certain way. He's like, I know, I believe you, Jesus. I know that there are fucking demons in this place, but I can't have you be here. So am I fired? Yes. You're fired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Am I fired big time? Uh, Even Buffy's like lip quivering when she was like, they all disappeared. Like trying to explain it to Xander was so funny. I mean, that was also a pretty funny scene if we want to talk about fun. Like as for a fight scene, it was like, it was enjoyable. So. Oh yeah. It was great. Cause they really used the set, you know, like mm-hmm. having the demon get crushed in that mm-hmm. big thing. And Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. It was, yeah, I, the whole episode, I think, is really, really good. It's just funny. It's light. The, I think the, the weakest part is them at college. And it's just like the sheer bafflement of Tara McClay, the character, the brand new character. <laughs> it was enough to be funny, but in the wrong kind of way. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of unfunny moments with lesbians. I'm a breast girl myself. But 
something can you need oh yeah. it, it would have been fine if we immediately cut away but the fact that we linger on giles's face for just like a beat too long just makes oh, it no. so uncomfortable yeah. it's like i like i like the cheeky joke it's fine but you got to move on like you can't acknowledge it you got to deadpan it and you got to immediately move on otherwise it's just like did you hear what i said yeah. i said breast because yeah. i'm gay <laughs> <laughs> Well, in that beat, because you're right, the beat was too long. In that beat, for me, I was just like, has this come up before? Like, are you explicitly? I mean, you've made it known to everyone that you're not an ass girl. Like, I mean, <laughs> what? Everything was like entering my brain mm-hmm. in that beat. There's that too much time. To yeah. And it's just like, there's too much time. It's like, wow, how often do we talk about this? Everyone knows. Like, was this even a joke? Maybe this was just a statement, a declarative <laughs> statement, which makes it even funnier. It was actually only about chicken. And we are the ones who are interpreting it incorrectly. And Giles loves a thigh and he doesn't understand. So his look was of derision at why would you eat the nasty white meat when you could have a delicious thigh? Yes. Station? <laughs> um, I have questions about the trio and the relationship to time because... Two of the three things that they do to Buffy involves messing with her perception of time, essentially. Uh, But somehow they're also, like, within Buffy's time loop, right? Like, they're watching it. Yeah. They're watching it, like, unplay or, like, play out in Buffy's perspective, even though you would think that. Like, they should be moving too fast, and they don't see Buffy moving at all for, like, four hours when <laughs> she's stuck on campus, and they're just like, God, this is boring. <laughs> and then the same thing for when she's in the magic shop, that they only see the final result when she successfully sells the mummy hand. Yeah, it's, you really can't think about it because it, it falls apart instantly. It doesn't really make any sense. I mean, you just got to trust that with his... What is it? Nine uh, high definition surveillance. Uh, no, it's nine high resolution surveillance cameras hooked in, super wide angle, infrared, auto iris, six types of audio matrix monitoring. Maybe it's the monitoring. Who knows? Uh, filtered through a dual quad DVS system. Yep, that's right. That's what they got. So, so it's insulating them right. from uh, the outside world, is all I can assume. Time can expand and contract instantly within that little, the Star Wars man. So you're just not allowed to ask those questions, and I'm okay. sorry. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, hate it. <laughs> I hate it yes me too uh i immediately like uh there are there are just some episodes of buffy that they just have every character in in the world every actor in la is just in this episode uh there are so many people that we meet from like the, all the all the kids in class all the construction mm-hmm. workers the guy with the candle the mummy lady all the demons playing cards, the bar with all the demons, just walking through all these areas. Like there's been a few episodes where I've just like always noticed the people and I just take, you know, photos of all the people. Cause I'm just like, wow, these are just 20 years ago. These people were just living on this earth. And now it's one of these, it's one of these episodes. Like I just, there's so like all of the, uh, yeah, all the students, it was wild. Oh yeah. There are a fuck ton of people in this episode. It was incredible. I love those ones. I wish they were more like that because it makes it feel real like this is actually a place, even though they all get just like one line and you know they're Yeah, but still. Yeah, it is strange to think that all these people are just living in Sunnydale and not getting attacked by demons. That's what I mean. How are they not? Crazy. I mean, I hate to beat a stoned horse, but, you know, Tara, the... um, when Buffy's presumably standing still having what like you actually said was probably a seizure just mm-hmm. standing frozen in time Tara says she's like oh god I must have spaced out and Tara's immediate reaction is to go oh yeah I have an anecdote about one time I spaced out which I'm sure everyone loves to hear what what 
I can't imagine a more boring story. Like some people really get, they're like, oh god, I can't. I hate when people tell me what their dreams are and blah blah blah. Because you know, it's like, cool, that didn't happen. I don't care. Let's move on. Why did we do that? But like, oh yeah, I must have spaced out. Yeah, one time I did that when I was watching SpongeBob. Blah blah. Like I'm sure Buffy in the background was like, thank fuck, whatever is happening to me is happening to me because I could not give a shit less about the end of that sentence. Wow. <laughs> I mean, come on. The door to that class come shut, on. and she's like, thank God, thank God. <laughs> Oh no, it just went too fast and I'm, I'm back and Tara's back. Shit, okay. <laughs> uh, I thought we were family, but we're not. We're not. Um, you know, obviously Buffy is the strongest person on that construction site, but I love that the costume person or whoever made the call that she needed to carry a flowery pink lunchbox and put a flower in I her know. hair. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only time she has like a fresh daisy in her in hair, hair yeah. in the entire show. I love it. <laughs> I didn't notice it the first two times at all. And I was like, oh my God, there's a fucking flower in her hair. What's happening? Anya jokes about deducting pay from Buffy's paycheck for the delivery fee. And I mean, this doesn't Mm -mm. take up a a genius to look this up, but it is illegal to do that uh, across the United States. And specifically in California, you're only allowed to deduct employees' wages for three reasons. One of them, they're required for like income taxes or garnishments or whatever. So by the state oh, right. is demanding. The other one is authorized explicitly in writing. And this is usually just for insurance, hospital, medical payments, things like that. And the last one is uh, deductions via collective bargaining. So union dues, things like that. Um, if they have to go through the employer to get to wherever, um, those are also typically going to be in writing as well. So those are the only times that you can take anyone's money without asking and you certainly can't cover things like this like this is what insurance exists for for the employer like so and even giles i mean the, the really giles like being like yeah we'll figure it out no giles you say no anya that is inappropriate you cannot do that to buffy least of all buffy I, who needs to pay her fucking bills what are you talking about i was so enraged i was so enraged by that like not only is it illegal thank you for that information but yeah, how fucking Terry made the, half the reason you're not in England right now is because she's having problems, girl. So how fucking dare you take that five dollars or whatever the hell it was away from her? Totally. That's so fucked up. Why would you? Why? I could. I would understand why Ani would suggest it because you know she loves the money and that's fine. She didn't follow procedure, or whatever. But for Giles to fucking, you know, on. honestly, Buffy should have been like, "That's fine," and I'm going to deduct the cost of delivery from your salary because you failed to train me on it. Oh, sure, totally. <laughs> and I would also be like, "Well, next time you need your life saved, I don't know if I'm going to be around. <laughs> I might be too broke." Yeah, your yeah. idea that you offered me, maybe next time I'll make you pay, so I save your life. Only you, though. Also, I think. That I realize that you think it's only been 15 minutes since I walked in the door, but I've been here for six hours, so I'm going to need to get paid for all that time. So, man, jerks. Jerks is what they are. Uh, did you see Andrew's totally fucked up shirt that he was wearing? Mm. It was hard to catch, but it says, uh, what did it say? Oh, yeah, Kansas Cattle Queen, and it has a picture of what looks like a naked woman kind of like looking away from the shirt but like looking over her shoulder kneeling and she has butcher marks on her like you know like have you ever seen those pictures like pigs or cows where they have them cut up for like this different cuts of meat uh Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) just like because i kept seeing just a little bit of it i was like this was not meant to see the hd light of day because this is fucking wildly inappropriate (laughs) shirt what's going on we're on the upn now baby i mean it's just it's him protesting too much right 
So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's so like, the okay. magic bone via shirt. Right. I need you to hold hands with each other. Well, you know what homophobia really means about you, don't you? Stop touching my magic bone. Andrew says, Scully wants me so bad under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, just more, just more egregious evidence of repressed homosexuality. Well, I looked that up too. So they referenced the two things because uh, obviously they're just going to be like too too much, too much at times. But uh, they mentioned uh, the TNG episode, the new Next Generation, mm-hmm. where the Enterprise yep. keeps blowing up. That's cause and effect, season five, episode eighteen, uh, where they just mm-hmm. keep going into a loop. And then the X Files one uh, is called Monday, season six, episode fourteen. That's where a bank robbery keeps happening over and over, and then the bank explodes in one of them. I think. Um, it was inspired by the Twilight Zone episode called The Sh- Shadow Play from 1961. Fun fact, though, Vince Gilligan wrote that episode Monday by oh, huh. in the X-Files. So cool. Nice. Yeah. I mean, the immediate thing that I would go to is Groundhog Day because like that's the easiest reference. But they're nerds. They're nerds. They don't watch Groundhog they Day, watch a hit show. film. They watch Star Trek. Well, thank you for that because I did not look it up. But I assume that they were telling the truth because they're dorks and they are just an outlet for all the writers to make all the references they've ever wanted to make. Correct. Because Xander isn't enough. Um, more about the trio. I really, really liked the fight about James Bond. It just felt like such an organic conversation that a group of dumb friends would have about. It like, did. <laughs> just, especially Warren being like, you're insane. You're short and you're insane. <laughs> you're <short> and, you're <laughs> insane. <laughs> and they so just keep good. going. It's like, we're not going to talk about this anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> just... Like, what, who? Oh, Timothy Dalton should win an Oscar and beat Sean Connery over that one. <laughs> Just like God. And then the fact that he like Warren could let it go, and so like after they've already changed gears, conversation, he's like, Moonraker has a shot of pigeons doing double takes. It's just like, it, yes, it felt very much like a conversation I would have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that was Agreed. Good, stuff. good writing. Okay. Um, the barkeeper of the demon bar that Spike takes Buffy to has a fucked up CGI tongue for no apparent reason. Did did you notice it too? Mm, oh yeah. Yeah, I I knew that he was doing something weird with his tongue, but I thought he was just being gross. He was just being like blah, blah, blah. but I didn't catch that it was like a forked mm. CG tongue until yeah. you pointed it out. It's really upsetting and unnecessary. I guess we're supposed to just be like, "Oh, he's a demon too." Whoa, watch out. <laughs> I guess so, but it's like this is what you're spending your dollars on. Yeah. No, just this on. one little spot that you have to see. Jesus Why don't we just save that money and make a snake later? Add another kitten. Come on. Who knows? The kitten wrangling apparently was very difficult and there were like 18 cats. They were cute. Yeah, the guy that played Clem like did some interview where he talked in length about You the think cat. they're still alive? I don't want to. I don't want Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> R.I.P. Little Tabby. No. Speaking of still alive, Bob Dole still alive, ninety-eight years no old. No shit. Mm-hmm. Good day. I'm Joe Fryer at NBC headquarters in New York with a special report. Breaking news: Former Republican senator and presidential candidate Bob Dole has died at the age of ninety-eight. Uh, I was like, why are we talking about Bob Dole? So he ran for president in 1996 against Bill Clinton. I was like, you know, that's pretty dated. Then I forgot that he was after he left office. So after that, he was done with government and he became a spokesman for most famously Viagra, but also Visa. Yeah. Dunkin Donuts. And the one ad that I remember explicitly because it was making fun of his Viagra one, which came out in the Super Bowl of this year, was the one with him and Britney Spears hawking Pepsi. And the whole thing was an ad, you know, basically designed like a. Uh, Viagra commercial 
um, but just selling oh. Pepsi. So you had a doctor be like, if you ever need anything, you know, Pepsi, here you go. You know, so they're making fun of it. People running on the beach, you know. And I was like, is that it? They just saw it while they were watching the Super Bowl. And they're like, hey, let's put a joke about Bob Dole. Anyways, he's still alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Lana Zak. We are interrupting Face the Nation to bring you breaking news. Senator Bob Dole has died at the age of 98. He's He'll be 99 this July. Bob Dole, the longtime Republican Senate leader and World War II veteran, has died. And now he's just the Trumpy wow. guy. He voted, you know, he endorsed Trump both times. So sure. not a good look for my dude. He's been alive for too long, but he'll probably be dead yeah. by the time this podcast is over. So RIP, <laughs> Bob Dole. Bob Dole, a Republican stalwart of the U.S. Senate and preeminent figure in American politics, died on Sunday at age 98. I know it's sad, but death is a natural part of life. And by the time I finish this sentence, 100 people will have died in China. Why did you stop talking? Did you stop uh. talking? I have to call my pen paps. Hi, May. It's Troy. Are you okay? Okay, good. I gotta go. This costs $7. Adam Bush, Warren, is a lead singer of an indie band called Common Rotation. And they are still a band. They made an album as recently as 2018, I think. It was, I know there was one in 2011, but I think there was one in 2018 also. Oh, but it was a live album. So I don't know if they're still like recording music. Um, it's like a folk indie it's not the worst. Uh, I was shocked that he could sing well. He doesn't strike me as a guy who could sing well. I don't know why. But um, Buffy is drinking Gabriel's Especial, Gabriel's Special, um, which I think is supposed to be like Fireball whiskey. Or oh, something. I thought it was Jose Cuervo. It looks. Um, oh, Jose yeah. Cuervo, right? Either that or you know, just kind of with the red. I was, but I, but I, you know, not from this shot. But like, it just says Gabriel. Definitely Gabriel's mm. Especial. Like, that's all it is. And then I was like, okay, cool. They just have to make it up because they don't want to get sued. And then we walk into the fucking, uh, into the back room, and there's a fucking box of mm-hmm. Tanqueray, you know, the oh. gin. And then uh, I had to look it up, but J&B is oh, a right, scotch yeah. company. I'm like, okay. Well, why didn't you just use Jose Cuervo? Like, that's we weird. So and maybe they just use, if you could already clear the Tanqueray, right. I mean, I guess you don't really down bottles of gin, but fuck it. Buffy's Buffy. That would give her a personality. I wonder if there's a, distinction like a difference between actually like using a product or it just like being in the back i wouldn't think so right it's the label it's the logo that's like what you're i don't know thank for interesting i don't know also those like prop things are really expensive like a prop bag of chips is like 40 dollars versus just like that's why i i respect shows they're just like fuck it put a piece of duct tape on it because that's insane <laughs> <laughs> the last thing and this isn't some big like deep dive which i do save the last things for this sometimes but just we never talked about the social construction of reality and i just wanted to see if like the conversation that they were having the kids were having lines up in any way to like what wikipedia would say or just like a normal person would explain it and for the most part it's kind of not i mean i think the whole point is that the kids are supposed to be saying it in a way that it's like Mm off-putting and they sound like extra smart they're adding a bunch of words it doesn't really make a lot of sense because even for me i'm like i don't really i get i understand the words but i didn't really understand the concept um, but you know, like Rachel's talking about stressing the externality, ex- externality 
uh, and independence of social reality from individuals. And it's like, what does that even really mean? Um, Steve says that each individual participates fully in the construction of his or her, his or her own life, which again makes sense. But like, what is it about? And then you've got Willow saying, you know, that all these people, these are phenomenon that are interpreted and given meanings to those who encounter them. What are they? What are we talking about? And if you look on Wikipedia, it's pretty interesting. I think it's an idea that's not very hard to to grasp, but the idea is basically that over time, it's not just you individually, like one single person uh, creating reality. It's that we all collectively create reality. Um, So over time, the concepts, you know, take like America or the Constitution. We talked about the Second Amendment. These ideas take on a new life of their own because there are rules that govern these sort of things that we sort of interpret over time. Uh, Within the definition on Wikipedia, there's one line that goes, uh, when those roles are made available to other members of society uh, to enter into and play out, the reciprocal interactions are said to become institutionalized. Um, There's other things like imagined communities, this idea that we have these imagined fictional, just like with the Constitution, these are just made up things. And the more we talk about it, the fiction becomes the reality. So you can have somebody today believe that, you know, the founders weren't actually slave owners or whatever, because you say it enough times, it becomes reality, it becomes a real thing. And I think that there's a little bit of this too. And social constructionism is the sociology term, basically, that, you know, meanings are developed in coordination with um, other people instead of just the individual. And I don't know how you would use it again. Like, it's fun to learn these concepts, but I don't know what you necessarily do with it. Right, it's more of a philosophical thing, right? Like, I was... I mean, I know that's what it said on the board and that they were talking about social phenomena, but it just like rang to me like a conversation about quantum mechanics or quantum physics, right? The idea of perceiving something, therefore it exists. Otherwise, like, you know, the chair only exists because you're looking at it. Uh, Otherwise, like it, you know, it kind of was like that, but within the the realm of more like social ideas. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's this... um, If we all just stop believing in this thing, it would go away. Yeah, right. It's not actually a real thing. (laughs) Interesting. Pretty interesting. Well, thanks for learning for us. Look, we had two segments about learning about things. We learned Love about it. S- astronauts, underwater astronauts, and whatever you said that I still can't remember the name of. Who knows? Social. I just read Wikipedia, something. so it wasn't as good. Oh, man. I did have one more thing, and it's probably the most important thing, and I completely fucking forgot. Sapphire ding dongs. Sapphire ding dongs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is Anya what selling? So when. Uh, Anya's explaining to Buffy what the job is or she's talking about like ordering whatever stuff she's like I have an amusing anecdote about a customer they wanted a a sapphire well a sapphire ding dong so the magic box sells sapphire dildos apparently yeah which means we think they probably sell other other not just sapphire I wouldn't imagine they're just stocking sapphire ones although maybe who knew the magic box was selling sex toys? There's a lot going on with the magic box inventory that Spencer's. we're clearly not privy to. Oh, okay, yeah. we don't oh, actually yeah. know it's a sex toy. It could be like a little miniature one. Oh, oh, that's fair. Yeah, it might not actually be a dildo. It might just be like a, like a fertility symbol thing, yeah. right? Like they wanted a sapphire uh, ding dong. Yeah, I guess she didn't say. You're right. Could be. Could be. Yeah. I immediately thought <laughs> dildo. Also, just like the idea of finding one sapphire large enough to carve into like an accurate sized. <laughs> penis you said it would be so <laughs> incredibly like cost prohibitive <laughs> yeah well that's what i was thinking i was like would you really do that with a precious or semi-precious stone that seems like i a mean bad i guess idea. you would if you were like a queen or <laughs> something a king no, no. it's true, <laughs> true. maybe 
Do they oh, feature those in Down Abbey? <laughs> what is right. the Queen of England <laughs> got in her treasury? Oh, man. The Duchess. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Duchess. Oh, my God. Fucking Jesus. I just uh, sapphire ding-dongs. I, the first time I missed yeah. it, and then I was like, I'm pretty sure she just said sapphire ding-dong. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Oh, All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I would like to be updated, please, about our watches. I have a feeling our hometown potheads are going to feature heavily. Well, no, because they weren't actually in the episode pretty much at all. And we've kind of <gasps> already talked about them. But I yeah, will we'll get there in a second. Uh, Xander Construction Outfit Watch, yes, for the first time in a long time. Yes. Hell yeah. As well as uh, Tony and all the supervising bros, Marco, Vince, Danny, all of them. Um, <laughs> he's got to go supervise the sheetrock. So uh, Xander, he, he had to leave for some of Yes, this. he did. Um, maroon Jacket Watch, Anya Belt Alert. Anya was wearing a dress. Um, we didn't see her mm. that much. Uh, maroon Jacket Watch. I'm going to say no. I don't remember. No, it. yeah. Um, okay. Dawn's Piercing Screams, not in the episode. Uh, so not here. Chips Ahoy, yes, explicitly. Buffy says that he's a neuter vampire who cheats at kitten poker. You want to fight? You face the two of us. What? What am I getting into a bar fight? I'll beat him up for information. Great. But not to defend your rights to gamble for kittens, which... By the way, it's stupid currency. Rough. Willow's becoming too powerful, <laughs> eh? I thought we would have this every time. I, I said no. no. I mean, just yeah. like we, it never comes up because uh, Willow's not in the episode. Buffy has a personality. Yes, she does think that chicken is the go-to takeout food, uh, uh, which my dad yeah. feels the same way. Like, if you ever, he, he'll always go get a bucket of chicken. And it's like, really? I would never think to do that, ever. No. Uh, yeah. De Hoffern watch. No. Tara and no. Willow are on the pot again. Yes, Tara and Willow have an appetite for second dinner. Willow forgets <laughs> uh, where she is when announcing to herself that she's a breast girl, but you already know that. As we said, I just couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about everything else. Tara admits to spacing out with Willow while watching SpongeBob SquarePants, which again, mm-hmm. the worst thing you ever want to hear is the, the whole sentence is just perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then Tara's down the hall shouting at Buffy, who spaces out herself <laughs> in the water fountain instead of tapping her on the shoulder. And then Tara leaves her outside of class. And that is where we just leave. Them. Oh, uh, and also when she hands her the book about art history or whatever, she's like, it's really mellow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. So good. Uh, Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch. Yes, Jonathan. A few Hell times. Yeah. Really coming in with the with the spells. Uh, Buffy charging a dollar for everybody asking if she's okay. I said mm. no. Um, yeah. Nobody explicitly asked her, although you could, you know, claim that even like with Spike and them getting drunk and stuff. You know, I, I'm not going to count it because it's explicit asking. So that's a no. Books a million. I said yes in a loose sense. Um, mainly Buffy makes fun of it for being a stress test for the table. Spike later makes fun of Giles for the, having the power of library books, which like he mm. saved your ass so many times. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, you look like an idiot, Spike. Like, knowledge is power, True. my guy. What's wrong with you? Uh, streets ahead. No, but we do see a construction site. Um, possibly new streets with the van. I don't know. There's the bar. That's not the biker bar from before with the bikers. So like. Have and it's not one. Willie's place. It's not Willie's place. So who knows? Uh, and then Giles biggest KO. I said, yes. Giving her the money in the end was definitely a big KO uh, for Giles. And then he almost acted like he was going to take it back. Um, so that was a big he did. dick he move, did. which is incredible. And he was probably just like, oh, I wish I could because I don't want to give her anything at all. And then uh, why? And then uh, you get the nice Hank knockout as well when Buffy oh, yeah. calls him a shiftless absentee father, which was pretty great. Um, but it was kind of like asking Giles if he wants to be 
the shiftless absentee father instead of like a good father you know i don't know so and giles was like yes actually i'm leaving now i will be shiftless absentee and i'll be the father yeah i'll be the mother it doesn't really matter whatever you want me to be shiftless and absentee that's where i'm that's where i will be so (laughs) those are your watches Uh, i thank you very much for that back to the so many extras in this episode like featured extras like that have their one or two lines uh also all that that construction site was intense they must have went to like an actual construction site otherwise like to cart all that stuff in to build that out and do all that stuff seems like a lot of fucking work there's like actual machinery machining around there's like people on a thing that moved what the hell uh thank you for that i do believe it's time now though to rank this sucker Willow Hacks, we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. No, the only magic doing comes from the trio, so that is a five. Uh, Giles level Giles. He does clean his glasses. He does, albeit maybe begrudgingly, give Buffy a lot of money. Uh, he cleaned his glasses a thousand times in the Groundhog Day scenario, also. I know, so. right? So, like, it should be an automatic 10, but again, it was only from the perspective of Buffy, from outside of the time loop, it was the shortest of all. You know, it only happened well, one time. Well, it's Andrew rules. Yeah, it only happened one time. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he said a word in your ear. A word in your ear. What an awkward phrase. But I feel like that that goes to Giles, you know? Uh, I give him a seven. All that for seven. Dawn, not in the episode, but she is in the episode enough to be fed dinner by someone else. So I think that she does not need oh, an adult. Oh, sorry. She was in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> the very beginning. She, Oof. They already had made dinner for her, which means that at least people are taking care of her. So she doesn't need an adult because the adults are doing their, their jobs for once. And Giles them. paid and Buffy left Giles to say, I need to go show Dawn because Dawn likes it when things are happy or whatever the fuck she says. Yeah. So, so she also got, yeah. got paid in a roundabout way. So uh, <laughs> no. I gave Dawn a six just because she mostly isn't in the episode. Monster of the week. Okay, I gave this a 10, and I'm going to say Ooh. it's because the concept of it, I love, like, we essentially get multiple bad guys, right? I mean, it, it is just the trio, if you want to put a fine point on it. That's who the bad guy is, but since they're kind of, you know, the... But, I don't know, are they the big bad for the season? Yes, but also Willow's the big bad for the season, so it's kind of like... Yeah, no, that's a good point. Whatever, but I am taking the individual encounters. I think that the demons at the construction site, uh, I mean, they're they're masks or what, whatever. They were kind of interesting, but like the way they, they got killed was cool. I like the concept of fucking with Buffy's in this, like these really interesting ways, right? They're like, they're so funny and, and they're so self-aware about them being pretty ineffectual. Like she's not getting hurt really. I mean, uh, if you don't count her getting kicked a whole bunch in the quad of her college. Um, but you know, she's not actually being hurt. It's just like the mental anguish. I mean, her, <laughs> her breaking down and crying for that like two second scene during the Groundhog Day segment is like one of the best moments of comedy ever. <laughs> uh, it's like, and it's so great. Like the concepts are fantastic. And I also really love Jonathan's um, like devil demon thing he turns into, right? You know, just for the second with the wings, that thing looks awesome. I love that thing. I wish that was like an actual demon we were going to fight because the wings, it looks so good. It's just, I don't know how to give it a 10. There's so much shit going on. And then we even like, just, there are so many people in this episode, not only just the actors, but people in fucking makeup, man, going to the kitten poker they, we've got three demons one of looks like a star wars alien straight up that three eye guy and then the one with the scales that's like it it was ugly the second you brought your human in here he looks excellent like the, mm-hmm. the green one's like yeah but well there's so much going on that the all the bad guys and tertiary demons and all the like conceptual stuff 10 for sure for monster of the week uh relationship goodness or badness buffy and everyone not great as per usual apparently in season six because they just won't give the woman a break. 
She just came back from the dead. Why she got to be doing anything? Why is not being the slayer, just being the slayer, not good enough? Why, why would you make her pay the delivery fee out of her own check? I can't. I can't. I can't. Whoa, she's <laughs> incredible. Uh, but Giles did give her a check, so you know. I guess that's uh, it all paid off in the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, six, six for that. Six for our friends being jerks again. Uh, episode specific. This, I mean. All Jane episodes are like super quote heavy, so it's hard to pick one, but uh, I just have to do. You like Slug? Go with Slug. She's not going to sleep with you anyway. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so this episode be, ended up being, you know, pretty high. I mean, highest for the season so far 44, number one for the season. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it was just so funny. I couldn't help it. It was so funny. It overcame me. I didn't wow. know. I was ge- again. I came to the point where like I should juke the stats. This can't be this high. This is bad. And then I was like, but it's so funny. Then you watch Buffy do the crying. It's so good. Forty four. Yeah. That's like that's poten- like of all that's of all six seasons. That's like number four or five overall. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, the show. I don't think so. Don't don't you call her that. 50, She's gonna get scared. You? Oh, that's true. Yeah. You're 60, go with your 60. gun. Oh, oh, that's. I right. go to sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's six. Go with your gut, Kelly. Just keep going. Keep yes. piling on. It's excellent. <laughs> I love this. I love this for season six. Uh, I'm hopeful that I remember next episode being terrible. So, we shall see. Anyway, Stacia. Um, I ranked this thirty-four out of a uh, hundred and five for really no reason other than it felt right in my heart. So it's below. Wild at Heart and Homecoming and above Inca Mummy Girl and New Moon Rising. Okay. What is Wild at Heart again? Is that the one where uh, Veruca Oz. is a yeah. werewolf and then Willow's all sad and she tries to curse Oz because... Yeah. Oh, that's one where he cheats on her and leaves, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember if it's that's that one or the the uh, Beauty and the Beast one, but yeah, I was getting confused. I think he cheats on her technically in the episode before, but this is the one where he leaves and she is sad and she tries to curse him. That's something blue, right? No. What? what? Anyway, great. Where's uh, Dark Age? <laughs> uh, Dark Age is below it at 50. Oh, it's right. Okay. At 50. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maintaining its like middle. Too? Yeah. What are you going to put for your description? I should ask you this every time. Oh. I'm just curious. <laughs> Flooded part I wrote, tri- <laughs> Trio curses Buffy. Buffy is construction worker. Buffy Groundhog <laughs> days her way through selling a mummy hand. <laughs> okay, this is a Absolutely. new this is a new feature we have to do every time. What did, <laughs> what did Sasha, <laughs> describe this? <laughs> I mean, no. you, you should do the plots because it's way more succinct. <laughs> totally shit. That's incredible. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I just got to add enough words I can remember the episode later. <laughs> yeah, effective, effective. Which, by the way, we I noticed that in. The, the episodes we've done so far of this season, we talked about the episode Intervention twice, and twice I said it was two different episodes. Uh, one I confused for Tough Love, and the other one I just, I think I was right about it one time. It's, it's, it's the one where Buffy goes to the... Who could know? <sighs> Fuck, I don't know. I still don't know. Yeah, who could know? The station was Intervention. I don't know. I don't know how to search in this document. No! Oh. Okay, okay, okay. My plot description for Intervention is... Spike gets Buffy bot, has sex everywhere. Friends worried about Buffy. She goes to desert. Right. Yes. Okay. So it is It is that one. Okay. See, because I was like, no, that's I was made to love you. No, I was made to love you is when Warren has the robot yes. girlfriend. Right. When right, Spike right. gets yes. Buffy bot is intervention. Yes. Okay. Okay. Buffy bot. That's all you got to know. No. 
desert. Buffy goes to desert also. Yeah, Buffy. That's the important part. That's why it's called intervention. Yes. Damn it. Okay. Daniel, <laughs> what do you think about this episode, ranking-wise? Definitely enjoyed this episode, but I feel like I'm in a bind because I said that it was basically Flooded Part 2, so I have no choice but to put it with Flooded, which famously <sighs> was way better than it deserved being at number 80 out of 137. So this one's going to be number 81 of 137. And it's not fair. It's really not fair, and I regret it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Well, you think it's too high? Oh, no, too low. No, too low. These oh, were okay. just so fun. They're just really fun. And yeah. I just I mean that's yeah. why we're I just hope it's going to keep going. But yeah, I'm 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 it fucked. Won't. I'm fucked. So. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> yeah. You guys didn't believe. I know. I know. It sucks. Anyways, this episode was excellent. You got to you got to start putting your episode's high because season seven is going to be like a dumpster fire. See, that's what we well, think, we, but that's I've just been subtly proven wrong with all of this. So it's like okay, but I always knew those, this would be a good season. <laughs> uh well, I guess we'll just have to find out next week. Uh, but before we get to there, Stacia, do you have anything to say about this episode? Uh, no, I don't. Daniel, do you have anything to say about this episode? You already? No. Well, uh, yes. So join us next week for All the Way, the season six Halloween episode, the last Halloween episode that we do. Um, unfortunately, there is a an ICP song called All the Way, I'm pretty sure. So I'm going to definitely have to put that on this playlist. And all I can think about every time I hear it is just Stupid Violent J or whichever one it is being like, let's go all the way. Great. Great. Until then, Stacia, oh <laughs> say God. goodbye. Oh okay. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Daniel, say goodbye. I can't help where the forces of podcasting attack me, Xander. Yeah, I feel like I attacked all of us just Oh, he just did. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry. And goodbye. (laughs) You play for kittens? Blood for formula, children, mouth and mantras. So, who's gonna advance me a tiny tabby? Get me started. You're not a school girl. You're not a shop girl. You're a creature of the darkness, like me. Try on my will, see how good it feels.